So hi, this is Angela Treat Lyon, and you are listening to Daring Dreamers Radio, broadcast all the way from beautiful Hawaii. And you can find us at idareyouradio.com. We bring you massive inspiration, powerful support, and uncommon resources for you daring dreamers so you can dream it, dare it, and do it. And our sponsor for today is, as usual, EFTbooks.com, so you can get emotionally free and not have your limiting beliefs hang you up any longer. So check it out, EFTbooks.com. And today, I am really pleased to introduce you to my friend, Deborah Hamilton. She is a litigator-turned-mediator who helps people protect their pets when they cannot be there to speak up for themselves. So, welcome to Daring Dreamers Radio today. I'm really pleased to have you. So, let's start here. You say that you can provide for your pets in your will, but that that's not enough. Like, if you get sick, will the plans in your will be enacted? You've said to me that people have no idea how much trouble their pets can be in if their plans don't include illness or incapacitation, not just being taken care of in your will after you die. And many times people have no idea what happens to their pets if they're taken to a shelter. So there are so many questions about this. I'm just blown away. So tell us a little bit about what you should put in your will and then what pre-death events need to be covered too. Well, thank you, Angela. I'm so glad to be here and be with your listeners. I love the do not limit your beliefs because around the planning and caring for your pet, a lot of limiting beliefs come to the surface because they know they have someone who's going to take care of the pet. They've done it on a handshake. They've done it over a glass of wine. Their spouse will take care of the animal. Their children will take care of the animal. And I'm here to say, absolutely, that may absolutely happen. But wouldn't it give you incredible peace of mind? And if you're willing today to spend a little time with us, increase your beliefs around how many people you might need to take care of your pet in a situation that you might not ever be able to fathom, but that you want your pet to always be cared for regardless of what happens. Mm. So I'm an attorney in New York and I mediate conflicts between people over animals. And I'm so grateful we met because to help the people in your network to, from what we've spoken about, your people, they're all heart centered. So most of them or some of them might have animals. They've probably, it's part of their wonderful, um, programs that they give, or at least it's wonderful for them personally to have animals to come home to, to really speak about and be with. And many times they simply put whatever care they want to give to their pets in their will. And I speak to law firms all the time, trust and estate law firms all over the country all the time and tell them, you know, the one thing that I hear from most of your clients when I give one of my programs is that they really don't need to do what I'm telling them to do because all of their plans are in their will. And I turn to them and I say, I get it. I do. I hope you die. And they look at me as if I am 
the Antichrist because, <laughs> you know, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, if, if all of your plans for the care of your pet and all the money for the care of your pet is in your will and you don't die, nothing comes to fruition. So I talked to my trust and estate colleagues and say, you need to tell people that. They believe if they put all their plans in their will, that their pet will be cared for. And they will be if they die. But they won't be if they don't. Now, let's, so, get, let's get really clear on that. Because, you know, there's either living or dying. But, but you're talking about a median line where, let's say, somebody has a stroke and they're incapacitated. Your or, will doesn't count. Or if they're, they have some kind of illness in an extended state. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, cancer, you know, I always say in my programs that I give short-term, long-term. So the short-term is I broke my wrist, I broke my leg. The reason I wrote this, Angela, we talked about this before, was because I broke my ankle in 2013. And the two people I had backing me up to take care of my six Irish setters were unavailable. And my family was taking care of me and all my dogs and their stuff, their food, their, you know, their exit to go out to run on four acres. Everything was down the basement. And I had a broken ankle. I couldn't get down the basement. So the dogs were sort of in limbo where I couldn't get to them. And the two people who I had set up, handshake over a glass of wine so I know how it goes. It's not like I haven't lived it. I lived it for my entire life with my animals and it didn't come to smack me in the face till I broke my ankle. And then when I broke my ankle, I realized, holy tamale, all my money, all my directives are in my will, I'm not dead yet. And the people who I set up even for in my will couldn't take care of my dogs at that time. I picked up the phone, called them, they couldn't take care of it. So what you need to do is you need to make a plan that at least has three people who are gonna take care of your um, pets if something happens to you, either long-term or short-term. And only one of those people can be a family member. You can't go my husband, my son, my daughter. Because quite frankly, I just lost my mom to cancer. And I was grateful that I had two people who I could call to take care of my pets while I spent time with my mom. I wouldn't have wanted to come home and take care of my pets. My pets were here, though. I wanted them here, though, to comfort me when I got home. But I knew that they were in very good hands. And I didn't have to worry about their care because I had it set up, I had it funded, I had everything done that I needed to do to take care of my pets mm -hmm. and I wasn't dead yet. That's a good point. You know, it it's may not be you that gets sick. It's somebody Absolutely. else and you're going to go take care of I hadn't even thought of that. Well, I didn't think of that until my mom got sick. That was the first thing that made me, because that happened in 2015. So this is an evolving program that I put on because at first I said, well, what about you? And then my mom got sick and I said, wow, what about if you want to be with someone else? Which is why I say don't have more than one family member. And really, they will thank you if you find somebody else to take care of the animal instead of them. And then in January, my husband broke his shoulder and I had to take care of him. So again, I picked up the phone. I called the people who I have in place and they took care of my pets while I was taking care of my husband. Now, was there a time when I could take care of my pets and they didn't have to? Absolutely. But it gave me such incredible peace of mind that I knew that if I was exhausted, I could have my pets here to comfort me, but I knew somebody was coming in to feed them, to let them out, to do whatever it is, the routine maintenance. And that's what I wanted to hopefully get across to all of your listeners because it's not that you don't want to take care of your pets is that you just like you said you just didn't think of it oh my god right if i want to take care of somebody because they're my good friend they're my family member and i have this dog or cat or bird or horse 
who's going to take care of them? And it, it really drives me nuts. I live here in um, Westchester County in New York, and there are so many horses in this area, and no one has made a plan for the care of their horses if something should happen to them. Oh. They just assume that the stable will take care of them. Well, if you don't fund it and you don't give them directives, then the care your horse gets is the care they decide to give your horse. And if that's okay with you, then don't worry about it. And, and I tell people that all the time. But if you want to guide people on how to care for your pet, you need to leave a plan. Yeah. Even if you're alive, you need to leave a plan. Well, there's another time when a plan can be in place, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a disaster. I mean, you want, might want to go on vacation or a cruise or something. It graduate, you know? Most people do temporary care for their pets. They send them to the kennel, really expensive. They have somebody come into their house and take care of them, really expensive. And they never think about, well, what would happen if I didn't get home because of a plane strike, because of, I mean, look at the uh, volcanoes that are erupting, that are messing up the flights to and from places. Look at the earthquakes that just happened. What happens if the dog survived and the people didn't? What's going to happen to that dog? Trust me, they're not going to have a really good outcome because there's no plan in place and you can't find it and you didn't share it. There's so many pieces to the map plan. I always say it's the, the map plan, the journey you have your pet take in the event you can't care for them because you're navigating, you're mapping out how they're going to be cared for. So I talk in mostly in the United States, but we have those you know pesky fires in California. We have the tornadoes in the Midwest, and we have hurricanes in the East. Do not call your neighbor when the wind shifts in California and ask them to take your horse, your dog, your cat. You have to make this plan beforehand because they're the ones who are on the front line. They're the ones who are going to be able to help you. And it may be that you need to make friends with your neighbors so you know that if you're home that day and the wind shifts, you'll take their cat or dog or bird and vice versa. It's something you have to really plan. And that's what we do with the map plan. We take the time to make you sit down and do the hard work. The hard work is who is going to take care of my pet? Well, and now you're, you're, you're talking about the map plan. Let, let's talk about the map plan. What is the map plan? Well, the map plan is a group of four different segments of a program that I put together to navigate the journey your pet takes when you can't be with them. So if you're sick, if you have cancer, Alzheimer's, whatever, before this happens, you sit down and you do these four pieces. So the four pieces are you make a plan, you address the needs of your pet, because I loved when you said, well, you know, you go on vacation, you go on um, to graduation, you go to somebody's wedding. You're right, and you leave a plan for your pets. However, those plans change every week every month and so you really need to update those plans all the time when you have the map plan so you have to address the needs of the pet they might need different kinds of medication they might need different kinds of care i have six dogs three of them get along and one of them doesn't so i have to let somebody know that or they might have a not so nice you know situation on their hands when they put the two wrong dogs together so i'd have to address that um and then you have to appoint the people who you want to be your caregivers because they need to know that you're relying on them and they also need to know the domino effect. So for me, I would have Mary, Sue, and Joan as my caregivers. Now Mary knows that she's first up best dressed. If she can't do it, she's going to call Joan and Joan knows that she's going to help out. And then Sue knows at the end of the day, if neither Mary or Joan can take the dog, Sue will take the dog. 
so that there's always redundancy. And it also helps that Mary doesn't have to do it every day. She can say, Joan, can you do it Tuesdays and Thursdays? Mary, can you do it Wednesdays? You know, so there's this synergy that really keeps the pet first and makes sure that nobody gets burned out. And what is the P? The P stands for, so you've, you've made the plan, you've addressed all the needs of the pets, you've appointed the people and alerted them to everything they need to do, then you need to publish that plan. You need to give it to your attorney. You need to give it to your vet. You need to give it to each of your caregivers. You need to give it to your family members. Even if your family members are part of the group, you need to give them the plan for everyone because unless they know the steps you want them to take, if you can't care for your pet, and that means it has to be written down, it has to be published, it won't happen. I had someone who came to one of my programs, did everything and didn't do the pee. She put it in a file in the drawer. And she unfortunately died, got an allergic reaction, and she died suddenly after surgery. And the neighbor came over and said, I can place all the dogs. Her husband goes, oh, great. He didn't know anything about the plan she had made. He knew nothing about where it was. The neighbor placed all the dogs, and these dogs were co-owned with other people. And all the co-owners came to get their dogs, as they had agreed with her to do, and the dogs were gone. Oh, my God. And, and the neighbor said, you know, they're in great homes, and you'll have to sue me to get them back. Sue me? Really? Yep. And you couldn't oh. sue her because she was told by the executor, the woman's husband, to place the dogs. And they both said, we didn't know anything about the plan. Oh, my God. So publish doesn't mean you're publishing a book. Publish simply means put it out there. Put it out there. Tell people about it. Also, you need to know that if you go on vacation, if you have somebody who is your right-hand person to take care of your pet in the event that you have an issue, you need to put a document in your file that says, Angela is permitted to bring my dogs to the vet to be cared for in the event I can't care for them. Because quite frankly, as an attorney, I would tell a veterinarian with no permission to have someone else bring someone else's dog to the vet, not to treat them. Because they might not get paid. They might be sued for malpractice because they treated a dog without the owner's permission. So you really need to, when you go on these vacations or when you appoint someone to take care of your pet in lieu of you, you really need to let your vet know. And if you put aside money, you also need to let your attorney know because that's the person who's going to take the money out of your account and pay the caregiver if you can. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. I've been doing really this now. Is. I said since 2013, I've been tweaking the program every single year and I I actually had a woman call me from, a, from a, an event I gave, and we talked about this, and she tweaked it even more for me because she said, you know, when I walked out of your program, I said, I don't need to really do anything because my daughter is going to take care of my pets, and she knows that, and I'll take care of her pets. And she said something to me that really struck home, and I always say this about my sons. I would never leave my dogs to my sons because it's not a good time in their life to take my dogs, even though they would. I needed to give them the out, so to speak. They could take them if they wanted, but I needed to give them the out. And she put an incredible spin on it that I had never heard. Being Irish Catholic, I should have. She said, I want to take the guilt away. I want to take the guilt of not really wanting to take the pet, but knowing that your parent will be really angry with you if you don't take the pet, or your kid will be really angry, angry with you if you don't take their pet. Take that guilt away. Say, so you know what, Angela, I know that if you can, you're going to take my pet because you're my mother and or you're my sister and you've promised to take my dog. However, if you can't, if something's happened 
and you can't. Either you're taking care of me or you've had a change of circumstance. Give it to Sue or Mary or Joan because those are people who know the dog and will be a great home for them. And you may take the dog. You may. You say, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. But maybe you would say, oh, thank God, because I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have whatever it is I don't have. So I have now given you permission. You don't feel bad. And so when Yvonne DeVita said that to me of blog pause, I said to her, thank you so much, because that was such a rare feedback moment that I got from someone who heard me speak and brought something totally new to my, my talk. You want to have people take care of your pets guilt-free. And a lot of the kids come up to me when their parents have adopted a number of dogs from a shelter and say, you know, they'll write me out of the will if I tell them I'm not going to take care of their pets. But I'm not. I'm going to bring them to the shelter. The minute my mother dies, I'm bringing these dogs to the shelter because I can't stand them. And we talked about this before. If you bring an owner surrendered dog to the shelter, they are put to sleep first because there's no one looking for them. If your dog is picked up off the street, it has a better chance of living until somebody finds it or somebody adopts it than your owner surrendered dog. Your owner surrendered dog will be put to sleep sooner because nobody's looking for it. So imagine you have a 10 or 12 year old dog. The owner took pretty good care of it, but it might be a little musty. And nobody really wants that. They, older dogs come with their own set of issues. And so you're setting this dog up to maybe not be adopted. It's that's, just that's, that's so sad. So it, it, you might as well just put them out on the street and have the dog catcher catch them. It would be better for the dog because the dog would get five days reprieve and maybe somebody would walk in. There was a person who came to me who wanted me to mediate a conflict between them and people who had adopted their mother's dog. The mother had said she left money in the will to care for, for the person who was caring for her pet. And the kids dropped the dog off at a shelter. It was a high-kill shelter because nobody wanted the pet. And six to nine months later, when the will was being read, because remember, it's not like the money in your will is going to be available to you immediately. It takes time to read the will. So you really need to make a pet trust, but that's a whole nother information that we can talk about. You have to make a pet trust to put money in so that you can pay the person who's caring for your pet in the event you can't, you can't pay them directly if something's wrong with you or you're dead. Even if you're dead, you need a pet trust because you need to get money immediately to care for your pet. So these kids dropped the dog off and were sure this nine-year-old poodle would be put to sleep because he was smelly. He had bad breath. You know, his teeth weren't clean. And the shelter cleaned him up, shaved him, cleaned him up, put a bow around his neck, and an older couple came in and adopted him. And nine months later, they got a check for $5,000 because they were the people who were taking care of the pet. And this guy wanted me to get that money back because they really weren't supposed to get that money. And I said, she made it very generic. She said, whoever was taking care of Fluffy was going to get $5,000. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith, thankfully, walked in and adopted Fluffy. So they get the $5,000, not the kids. Nope. And, yeah. <laughs> And this is a windfall, but wasn't Fluffy lucky? And how many, how many people walk in to adopt Fluffy? Not that many. Yeah, yeah. That's so sad. They just off them right away. Well, they do because often the dogs are a, a source of a pain in the hiney for kids. I had a friend, five children, and their mother moved to New Mexico. She wanted the weather of New Mexico. Now, they're all in New York. So she moved to New Mexico, and she made the entire family – 
husbands, wives, and children, which was probably about 20 people, fly to New Mexico for holidays because she didn't want to leave her dogs. And I actually worked with them and had her find someone who would be that person to care for the dogs if something happened to her. So I couched it in, you really need to find people. I know no one can take care of your pets the way you do. I get that. Because no one can take care of my pets. They might do a better job, but no one can take care of my pets the way I do. Yeah. But you really need to find someone who is your kindred spirit and preferably find at least two to three people. And you also need to find a shelter, a no-kill shelter, that you befriend so you know that they will be your you know, placement of last resort if no one else can take it. So I talked to this woman, we worked it out. We had three people who rotated through her house. Not only did it give her kids the peace of mind that somebody was checking on their mother twice a day to see if the dogs were okay, because they started coming at first, she didn't want them at all. And then they came once, twice a week. Then they came four times a week. Then they came once a day. She liked the, the camaraderie and it wasn't that expensive that she wasn't able to do it. Finally, she would travel to them and leave the dogs with these people. But it took, it took a year. It took a wow, year. Wow, that's amazing. But it was a year well spent, and now she travels back and forth and actually now goes on vacation on cruises. So it worked pretty well for her. That's incredible. So let's get back to you a little bit here. You are an attorney, and you were a litigator. Tell us about that. Now you're mediating conflicts between people over critters. So exactly. So that's my other prong of my practice. One prong, which is my mission in life, is to help people make plans to care for their pets. Because I know they want to and they think they have, but they haven't. So that's the first part that we just spoke about. The second part is, wherever animals are, conflicts can arise. You can have conflicts with your neighbor over a barking dog. You can have conflicts over your beloved animal if you get separated or divorced if you're in a relationship or a marriage and you're leaving unfortunately the exes can't stand each other but the dog actually likes both of them so does the cat when push comes to shove in an empty room unfortunately your pet will go to your ex-spouse or your ex-relationship partner because that's all they know and I get it that my ego gets in the way, too, that I would want all my pets to go with me. In fact, Jennifer Aniston, one of the things that was holding up her prenuptial agreement for the longest time was that she wanted her future husband to sign off that she would get the dogs if they ever divorced. And he said, well, I understand you getting the older dog that was with you and you brought into the marriage, but we bought the second dog together. And why wouldn't I be able to see the dog? later on and she goes well I want the dog and it really I actually wrote to them nobody wrote me back because I had a right to assistance and who knows if they ever got it but I sat there and I said look at the big picture from the dog's point of view the dog doesn't dislike your spouse if you go on vacation your ex-spouse if you go on vacation the dog would prefer to stay with your ex than to go to a kennel so what you're doing is you are enabling your dog never to go to a kennel again you're saving money you are saving quality of life for your pet by putting your ego a little bit in the box. And here in New York, and I'm sure the same thing is true across the country, there are dog walkers, there are doggy daycares, there are groomers, there are even veterinarians who will be that transition spot where you will pay a fee, you will drop your dog off, 
and your ex will pick it up. You don't even have to talk to your ex. Now, and usually after about a year or two, they cut the middleman out because they've gotten over their hatred. Uh, but this <laughs> is, it, I always say to people when, uh, when divorce attorneys call me when they're in a conundrum, they go, good luck with this. You're never going to get these people to talk to each other. It may take me a while, but I always have them come around and talk about the pet because it's about the pet. It's not about how you cheated on me, how you were a royal pain in the hiney, how you stole all our money. It's, it, when it comes to the pet, it's not about that. It's about the pet. And if I can get them to focus on that instead of the reasons why they, got, why they became separated, they usually can find the way with all to keep the pet in a safer position, which is with both people. Usually your ex isn't going to um, be mean to the dog. A lot of people worry that your ex will hold it as ransom. And most of the time with my divorce attorneys, they do hold them for ransom. Um, they say, well, you know, I know my client will leave 20000 My My client's ex will leave $20,000 on the table in order to keep the dog. And I said, that really isn't right. I said, there's something underlying that need that you need to address. And we do. And then the $20,000 goes away because I got to tell my husband that he never treated me with any respect and always took a walk with the dog and the dog was always first. And, and when, when you acknowledge that you have that conversation, you can get over the need to leave $20,000 on the table. So as a, as a litigation attorney, I would fight hammer and tongue. And I realized that most of my clients were miserable. And at the end of the day, even when I won, people were miserable. The last case I ever took was a case where a woman adopted a dog from a rescue and two weeks later found out it was pregnant and the rescue sued her for the puppies. The puppies weren't even born yet and they sued her to get the dog back to have the puppies. And she said to them, I'll give you the dog back right before she's ready to have the puppies. And they said, no, she's in a dangerous situation living at your house. It, it was ridiculous because the woman had adopted from them before. She had a beautiful altered male that she had taken beautiful care of. She would have taken beautiful care of this dog. Long story short, they sued her to get the dog back. She hired me to help her. We won. But this rescue now has lost a wonderful adopter. She has told everyone she knows never to adopt from them again. And this woman was out thousands of dollars to try to meet the uh, litigation process that was put on her by a pro bono large law firm who was doing pro bono work for the rescue. So the rescue didn't pay a dime because this is how law firms do their pro bono work. And my client paid, you know, significant money to try to keep the dog. And I sat there and said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this. I could not speak to the other firm and I couldn't, have the other firm have a conversation about why this was ridiculous. She was giving them the puppies. So I said, somebody has to do something. And that's when I decided to hang up my litigation pumps and never, ever, ever litigate again. People will call me all the time, but Deborah, you're so good. And I go, yes, not anymore. So if you want to sit down and have a conversation about the disagreement you're having, more than happy to help facilitate that and hold a safe space for both of you. You want to sue her? Not me. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here because it really doesn't serve the pet. And what I guess I'm doing, even with my animal rights, animal welfare colleagues, they lose sight of the pet. They want to set precedent. They want to have the animals protected. I go, yes, but in doing so, you're not shifting the paradigm. You are putting a barrier up. 
So there's us against them where I want to hold the pet up where it's about them, not about you and me. And let's talk about what's best for them incrementally and see if we can get to uh, point D a lot quicker because we're having a conversation and taking incremental steps rather than suing each other. I'm really glad that you brought that up and that you're mentioning it because it's part of the big problem today. It's you against me rather than you and me, we. And it's lovely that you're just taking that, the effort to make that paradigm shift in your own life and others. I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. So I'm assuming that your work when you started out doing this thing, you started putting together your map plan because, you know, you, there's only so much of dealing with people that you realize, gee, there's a similarity here and a similarity here and a similarity here, and it comes together and, well, if I do this, this, and this, this will work. So that's how your map plan came about, yes? That's how my map plan came about when I broke my ankle because I realized I had to see what pieces of the puzzle I needed to have done if something happened to me. And for the mediation process that I do in my office, I have another plan, which is very funny. So it's stop, drop, and roll. We all know that when we were younger, the firemen came into our schools and we, we, uh, I'm of the new polyester age. So if polyester went up in flames you were engulfed in flames in a nanosecond. So they always had the firemen come in and tell us, you know, stop, drop, and roll. And when I made the, the plan, I teach this to veterinarians, pet owners, pet supply, pet service people, I do stop, drop, and roll. Because what you want to do is you want to stop talking and listen when people are angry. It's as if somebody is hitting you with a blowtorch. Either the person who is so angry they're on fire or they're so angry they are throwing things at you as if you feel like you're on fire so stop talking and listen drop the need to be right because if someone is so angry if you tell them i hear you angela but that is not going to even be heard so you just really have to drop the need to be right right then i tell my veterinarians especially because they always are right they go it's okay to be right second it makes you no less right if you're right second. If you let somebody tell their story and how they absorb all the information you gave them, it is so much easier then to appreciate where they are and enable them to feel heard. And maybe that afternoon, the next day, you can talk about something else, but they need to know that you heard them. You reflect back what they say. And finally, the roll part is let what they say roll off your back. Hard to do. But if you do, if you don't engage, if you don't do, but you're wrong because you will not incite the flame. You won't be putting gasoline on the fire. You just let it roll off your back. And nine times out of 10, they'll come back and apologize to you because they've had an out-of-body experience because they were so upset. True. That's where the words, thank you for sharing comes in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Or even better, you know, I appreciate how you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And better yet, I just heard you say that you were thankful that I told you that. And that when you reflect back it, almost in the exact words that someone uses, what they've said to you to make sure you heard them and not in a condescending way, but in a thoughtful way, they're, they're going to say, yeah, that's what I meant. Or they might hear it in a way that they wouldn't want to be heard. And they go, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And they'll self-correct. Mm, that's a point. 
That's a point. Okay, so this is really interesting. So you work as a mediator also with vets and who else did you say? Pet supply, pet service, anyone. So when I did this, when I stopped litigating, my husband said to me, this is such a narrow niche. You're not going to get any business. I said, okay, you might be right. But where do pets impact our lives? They impact our lives in our homes. So we have service people coming to our homes that could be affected by our pets if our pets bite them or our pets bark. We have neighbors. So barking, you have the management in your building. If you live in a building, you have your neighbors in your neighborhood. If your dog is roaming, you have your veterinarian, you have your groomer, you have your uh, dog supply store, you have your kennel, you have, if you show dogs, you have your handler, you have so many things that can impact your relationship with other people over your pet. As I always say, there is not a moment if you own a pet that something can't transcend into conflict because we wear our hearts on our sleeves for our pets. If somebody says something mean about your dog, you are going to go for their throat almost more quickly than your pet does. Because the, the, how dare you? How dare you? I have a video up. They can all watch it on my YouTube channel because I, it, it seems intuitive, but it's not. If your neighbor's dog is barking and you've lost sleep, don't go talk to them when you're sleep deprived and angry. Because when they see you coming, they're going to think that you're having an out-of-body experience. They're never going to open the door. So then you're going to be really pissed off that they didn't open the door. They're going to be pissed off that you're banging on the door. They're not going to open the door because they're afraid you're going to call the dog catcher. You're going to call the town. You're going to call management, whatever you're going to do. So there's this, this competing fear. You're going to take my dog away. You're not even listening to what I have to say about the dog. So there's this competing fear and anger, and then it escalates. So I always say, don't talk when you're angry. Go somewhere else and have a cup of coffee with them. And then start the conversation with the words, what can we do together to help mitigate this problem that I'm having? And I know it's not your problem because you might not even hear the dog barking because it's a white noise, but what can we do to work together to make this better? Not Angela, what are you going to do to your pet to shut him up? <laughs> I've had that conversation with my neighbors. <laughs> And how did that make you feel? Not too good, because what are you going to do? No, it was their dog, not mine. Oh, and so what are they going to do? They, you know, they probably have to let the dog out at 6 o'clock in the morning because they go to work, or they have to let the dog out at 11 o'clock at night because they just got home from work, and it's, it really is wreaking havoc on you. I actually had a woman who had her mother's dogs, and they were barking incessantly because they were house dogs, who then became outdoor dogs because she didn't want dogs in her house. So this mm. is a whole life shift for these dogs. That goes back to the map plan. She had to take these dogs even though she didn't want to. But, you know, we're going full circle here. The neighbor had a husband who was in, incapacitated. They were in the house all the time. The dogs were barking all the time. They were at each other's throat. One of the people, the person who, who had the dog said, well, I send her a fruit basket every month. Really? You know, I'd be throwing the fruit at the dogs out the window into the yard. That's what I'd be doing. So I said to her, if there was a way to solve this so that everybody came out happy, would you be interested? And she said, yes, but I don't think there is. And I said, well, would you like to try? So she asked the neighbor. The neighbor said yes, because the neighbor was crazy about these dogs barking. And it worked out that she said, you know, I would love to come over and let the dogs out two or three times a day because I can't go very far for my husband, but I could go next door. And I'll throw the ball for them, and then I'll put them back away. So they worked out a way in which she came to let the dogs out. Oh, what a handy, handy resolution. Well, the, the thing is, around here, 
there's no fences, so dogs can't be outside. So all of the, the dogs around here, except for maybe a few, are little bitty barking, yep, 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 kind of dogs. And my neighbor has two of them, and they bark incessantly when she's at work. She doesn't know. Yeah. Oh, she's not there. So I went over one day and I said, you know, Julie, I, I don't know what to do about this because your dogs are driving me crazy. And we worked it out. But if I'd gone over there when I was in my mind, I yeah. want to kill those dogs, <laughs> it would not have worked. And that's why people throw poison meat over because they've talked to the neighbor. The neighbor has turned them down. And so they go, this is the, my last resort. I work nights. I have to get sleep during the day. I understand that that's an inconvenience to you, but I need you to help me. And so there are so many ways when I have these conversations, I go, so have either of you Googled how to keep dogs quiet during the day? What can you do? There's sounds you can have, like those wave machines for people. They have the same kind of things, pet acoustics for dogs that will stop them from barking. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. That's Absolutely. Pet acoustic, well, there's always the bark collars, but a lot of people are against those, which I understand completely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of them don't work. The misting ones that don't zap them usually don't work. But they absolutely have different sounds that will make dogs either bark incessantly or not bark. I'll be darned. I didn't know that. Well, there's a couple of things I've seen on Facebook lately, too, where uh, the owner will set up a little a deal on their computer so they yeah. can check on the dog during the day. It's like a Skype for dogs. Absolutely. Is, I do that. That is so clever. It drives them nuts, though, when you call their name and they can't find out where you are. So I, well, yeah, I have one that doesn't have look. voice. Yeah, I don't have voices on mine, but my friend does, and she drives them nuts by calling their name, <laughs> and then they're running around the house looking for <laughs> But yeah, you can really see what your dog is doing. And if worse comes to worse, and your neighbor goes, no, they don't bark while I'm not home, you say, well, I'd love to invest in a nest for you. We'll rent one or get one, and you can see that they do. And Let's see what we can do. There's always a solution if you come from a place of peacefulness. And that's why this, this program is so wonderful for me to talk to because most of the people who are listening to what you um, share with them are peaceful, you know, mindful people. And to be mindful of the care of your pet, be mindful of the people who are impacted by your pet is huge. It's very important. Okay, so I'm thinking about the MAP plan. Don't you have a, a free access to that? Absolutely. I have free webinars every month, and I'm in the process of finishing up um, a free webinar. So every month they have a free webinar. If you go to my website, you have a free web webinar. But we've also created one for your listeners, uh, which is myanimalplan.com, where we're going to have a free webinar. And from that free webinar, if you want to take it further, there's also going to be a special offer just for your listeners because I'm so grateful for being here. I love spreading this news to everyone because it's very important that people make their plan for their pets. It's just so important. So you can listen to the map plan. I go through the what and the why of the map plan and tell you exactly what pieces you need. You can do it yourself or you can work with us in you know, a do-it-yourself way that will be able to have you make your own plan and then bring it to your trust and estate attorney to incorporate into your estate planning. Because you want to make sure that when you have an estate plan, you have a plan in your will, but you have a plan outside your will. So you got your will. Right. And you've taken care of everything for the people, but your will for the pets is outside the will? 
No, it's both inside and outside. What we said at the beginning was, I always say that trust and estate attorneys tantamount to malpractice not to tell their clients that if they are foresight enough to put a plan in their will to take care of their pets, that in fact that will doesn't come to fruition if you don't die. So, so most of your pet owners might already have put a plan in their will to take care of their pets, set aside money, listed Angela as the person who's going to take care of the pet, one person... Yeah, exactly. One person, I actually met a woman who had a, a video on Facebook. She had an ice cream cone with a little dog and a big dog, and the little dog would lick, 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 and she goes, well, this dog will have it in a minute, but this dog has to, and you'll see why. And the big dog, of course, ate the whole cone. Well, I met her, and she actually takes care of a number of the dogs for the people at Nike, because she's outside of Portland. And I said to her, you should really have me in, because if all, because she said to me, all the people have her as their go-to person if something happens to them. Well, if there's a catastrophe at Nike, if somebody, if an earthquake comes and Nike gets swallowed up and she has all those dogs as she is the go-to person, how is she going to handle that? How is she going to handle that? She has a doggy daycare. She has a kennel. So say 75 or 100 of the employees drop their dogs off at varying vacation times, have her as the main person. She can't handle that if there's a catastrophic event at Nike. So I said to her, you really need to have these people make a plan where you are one of the go-to people, but that there are other go-to people as well. So in your will, you have the go-to person. You have the person and the money set aside to take care of your pets. But then you have to have, in Hawaii is one of the brilliant states that allows it, you have to have a pet trust outside your will that enables you to put money into a trust for the care of your pets. And then you need the MAP plan, which is the plan that you give to your attorney outside of the will that will tell him what to do with your pets if something were to happen to you long-term or short-term. So it's, it's a contingency plan for if you do not die. Exactly. Yeah. It is, it is the plan you need to navigate the journey your pet takes whether you die or not. And if you die, then you go with the will because it's probably identical. What I love about the MAP plan is you don't have to go back to your attorney to update it and update your will, which means a lot of signatures and a lot of formal mumbo-jumbo that attorneys have made to make sure. The MAP plan can be this outside-the-will document that is referred to in the will and that you can change with your dogs. So if you put $5,000 in a trust, you can then dissolve the trust if you don't have dogs anymore. I always say to people, why is it that when you're 65 or 70, you stop getting animals? Well, because I might not, out, I might not outlive my animal and then there'll be nobody to take care of them. But just think how empty your life's going to be. Well, maybe if you're traveling, it's not going to be so empty. But if you plan to stay home or if you really like animals, you can keep your pet ad nauseum till you're 90 if you've made a plan and you funded it so that you can have people take care of the pet in the way you can't when you get too old, but yet you can have the plant, the pet with you. That makes a lot of sense. I, I don't have pets for that very reason. Yep. And yet, you know, you miss out and you might not think, well, it's expensive and it's time consuming. I can't drop everything and run. But when you're home at night, some people really, the studies have shown that people who have animals long into their aged years, are healthier because they have to get up in the morning, they have to take a walk, they have, they, they're healthier. Their heart rate goes down, everything is better with, a, with an animal, um, but because we don't wanna leave them without an owner, we don't keep them. So it's just something that you can think about. If yeah. you want to, in fact, have an animal long into your 80s and 90s, you just have to make sure you have a plan to care for them and the people to back you up. 
That's awesome. I like that. So let me see now. What do you do for a pet owner that their trust in the state attorney does not? I help them find the people who are going to fill the roles. I help them decide how much money they might need to care for their pet because, quite frankly, you're not putting away money to foot the bill for your pet for the rest of their lives. You're putting away money as best you can to help the transition to the pet. It would be nice if you have enough money to help the person who's taking your pet, but probably the person who's taking your pet isn't taking your pet because they think they're going to make a killing. They're taking your pet because they love you. They love your pet. They're doing you a favor and they know that you're going to give them money for the transition, but you might not have money to give them for long-term care of the pet. And they're okay with that. That's not why they're doing it. They're not doing it to get $30,000. They're doing it to take care of your pet. And if you're younger, hey, if something happens to you, your will is going to augment that money. If you get sick and you have cancer and somebody's coming to take care of your pet, they're taking care of your pet, you're paying them for their time or not, depending. But then at the end of the day, they might get money at the end because of the fact you've left money in the will. You should have money in the trust as well, and that should cover their expenses. But if you don't, they know that they're going to get something at the end of the day as well. Mm, mm, that makes sense. Okay, so let's go over one more time the four steps of the, there's the M, A, A, and P. Right. Let, let's just go over that quickly so people know what it is that they're getting when they go to myanimalplan.com. Right. So I made it simple so you could remember that you're navigating the journey your pet takes when you're not there to take care of them, either short-term or long-term. So when you're navigating, have seen maps and used to use them to get from point A to point B. We didn't use our smartphones. This is that map that you hold in your hand. The M stands for making the plan. You have to start with making the plan you want to see your pet navigate if something happened to you. They go to Angela, they go to Sue, they go to Joan, or all three of them will work out who goes where or who takes care of what. You make the plan. Then you address the needs of the pet so that the people who have you have appointed to take care of your pets, they know which pet is which, what each pet needs, all the things that make that pet special and will make the quality of that pet's life important. In saying that, I always say to people, I help them reality test because there's a lot of things that you do for your pet that's wonderful that somebody else may never do for your pet. Mm, mm. And that's a nice to have, not a gotta have. There was a woman who died up in Binghamton, New York who had three cats and her attorney let her do this. Now, the good news was she died. She didn't get sick. So the $30,000 came to fruition, but the attorney allowed her to put three clauses in her will. One was that she would, that the three cats would stay together, that they would live a mile from the house, and that whoever adopted them had no other animals. And the attorney made no effort to find that person while she was alive. And it's a travesty because the cats didn't know anybody, right? And there might have been somebody who the cats did know and would have preferred to go to who maybe had other cats or maybe knew the cats or the cats knew them. So I enable you to find the plan and make the plan and address the needs of your pets in a way that will make your pets happy. So you've made a plan, you've addressed the needs of your pet, you're appointing the people who are gonna care for your pet and only one of them can be a family member. You have to have at least two that are not family members. And I always stress that you need to uh, affiliate yourself with a shelter that will take your pet in the event nobody can take it. Because you don't wanna just walk in or have your dog walk in or your cat walk in and they not know who you are. 
And finally, you need to take all that information and publish it with your veterinarian because they have to know, your attorney because they have to know because they're going to be paying out to the person who's taking care of your pet. And also to all the people, including your family members, what you want to do. Because if you don't, it's going to be like that woman who left it in her drawer. She had made the plan, but she never published it. And so nothing was done the way she had hoped or wanted or planned because nobody knew she'd made the plan and it was in the drawer. So this all sounds pretty simple. You know, you've gone through all the steps. Why would anybody go and do your program now? Well, because everybody says, I'm going to do this. And the shoemaker's kids don't have any shoes. This woman didn't plan and didn't publish it. She missed a step. So what I do in the four-week program, in the do-it-yourself program, is I enable you to lock yourself down for four weeks, make this plan, and be done with it. And make sure that you follow through. That's what I do. It's very important to me that people don't just take all my information home and put it on the shelf. It's shelf help. You know, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You're not going to get to it. You're just not. And your pets are depending on you. You know, these animals that love us so unconditionally don't understand that we haven't made a plan for their care. They think we have because we feed them every night. We walk them every day. We take them with us on vacation sometimes. We take them with us to the beach. We take them swimming. But we haven't taken the time to make this plan. If you can do it in the, in the four-step webinar plans that I've set out for, for your group, great. If you can do it just by listening to my webinar, great. So that's free. You get that for free, go for it. But I have found that people, sort of like when they don't make wills for their children or themselves, it's, it's not an easy thing to think about or talk about. So they don't do it. So I make it very comfortable. In fact, I'm having a spa retreat where people are coming to make the plan for their pets in California. Because it's very important that you are in a safe space with other people who also don't want to make this plan, but know they have to. And we help make it as painless as possible. Do you have those retreats often? I mean, three, four times a year? Or what we do. You do. We have just started. and We had such a great response to the first one in California. We're going to try to have them all over the country, including Hawaii, because we're, we're really finding that people want to sit down in a nice place with their pets, because this spa actually allows for pets. And this is the kind of thing that people really want to do with other like-minded people. Huh, that's interesting. Because it really is sort of weird. You might have the neighbor who says, you're doing what with your pet? But yeah. <laughs> A, they might not have a pet. Or B, their pet might be just that, a pet, and not a family member. And the people who are going to make the map plan for their pets are the people who feel their their pets are family members and companions and that they are duty bound for the life of the pet to make a plan. And the good news is the plan changes with the pet. So it's not like, well, I just set this up in my will and it's for fluffy and fluffy died. And what am I going to do? No, every single time something else comes into your life, you can adjust it to meet the needs of the pets in your life and meet the needs of those pets that change in your life. Well, it makes so much sense. Well, now, is there anything that we haven't covered? I don't think so. We did a really great job. Thank you so much for letting me even, you know, throw in some of the mediation work because, quite frankly, I did this map plan so you can avoid conflict when something comes up. It's really important that we don't have conflict when we're sick or we've died when it comes to our pets. So, again, that's another piece that 
my husband questioned, what was I going to do with this practice? There's conflict that comes up. Mom told me I was supposed to take the dog, but I don't want the dog. You've already alleviated that conflict. It's done. Yeah. You know, I, I really like the aspect of the fact that it, that there's this plan that's outside of the official will so that if you want to change it, you can change it as long as you notify everybody else. Right. But absolutely. But it doesn't cost you $500 an hour to go play with the lawyer for, you know, 40 minutes to take care of it. And the greatest thing about the plan is that you have everything right there for the attorney to do, to put it together, both in your will and outside your will. So, you know, it's legal in Hawaii, it's legal in Missouri, it's legal in Nebraska because you want, an estate attorney in your neck of the woods to put it together, but they have absolutely no desire, nor do they know how to help you find the people to fill the, the voids that you're opening when you try to make a plan for your pets. That's where I come in. I help you do that. I see. But, and I really like the fact that you've made it so there's only one family member. I mean, I don't know any family members of mine who would have taken my dog if I'd have died when she was around because she was a special kind of, person and she just they wouldn't have been able to handle her energy so it, it I would have had to have three friends rather than one family member and two friends you know <laughs> absolutely you want to have the dog go to someone who knows the dog and loves the dog yeah and as I said my sons know and love my animals but it's not their time in life to take one of my dogs so my yeah. dogs actually go to other people my sons can take them I hope not if they want but they're not, they're, they're giving the out. And again, you know, we miss the Irish Catholic guilt where, you know, you don't have to take my dogs because I've already made a plan. If you'd like one, great. I hope not, but you can. And, and usually then you have the backup so that if you do in fact take it, it turns out to be too much. You then have somebody else to give it to, not that you're scrambling. That's awesome. And so, don't forget about the birds and the horses too, because, you know, especially in Hawaii, people have parrots. Those things live forever in 17 days. Yeah, they live 40 true. to 60 years. Don't think that there's a parrot rescue. There isn't. I mean, there is, but is that where you want them to go? Well, ultimately, that's who you talk to. That's the last remainderman where you would have them go. But you really want to find someone who's going to take them. And you can if you do a little diligent work. You can find it. I think, I think one of the things that, that hurts me the most is seeing people with horses not taking care of them after somebody dies. It's like... What did you think? Well, it's very interesting you said that. There was a woman whose husband had beautiful Arabians. He got sick. The horses never got out of their stalls for like five years. Oh, my God. They were fed and they got water. They didn't get new shoes. So one of the horses was so scared to get out of its stall, it didn't know what to do. And they rescued them. But imagine if, if he had had a map plan in place where he called Angela and Deborah because Angela and Deborah are the people down the road who know about the horses, who would be able to come and take care of the, you know, pride goeth before the fall. You can't take care of the animal. Find somebody who can. It's not, it really is not something that you should ever avoid because it really makes, especially with horses, drives yeah. me nuts. You know, the fires come. You cannot get horses out on a dime. You can get a cat and a dog and maybe even a bird out on a dime, but you can't, I mean, where are you going to go? You better make that plan before it happens. Yeah. And, and oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my poor heart. You know, I just think of those poor horses. Five years in a stall. Five years in a stall, yep. Whew. Yep. And they were worth a lot of money when he got sick. 
And she thought they were still worth lots of money and she wanted to sell them for lots of money. And, you know, they came in and gently told her that the horses were in such bad shape. If she waited to get money, they probably would go to the glue factory. Not really. They'd go to somebody's plate in France, but whatever. Wow. People came in, you know, once a week to clean the stalls, which isn't enough. And nobody trimmed the hooves because she didn't know. She just thought, well, you feed them and you give them fresh water and they'll be fine in the stalls. No, they won't. Oh, my God. But she didn't oh, know. Oh, the poor things. Shame on him. She, he didn't make a plan. You know, yeah. she didn't know. That's like leaving, you know, it to a family member who has no idea what they're supposed to do. Shame on him. But thank God the horses got rescued and they all were rehabilitated. But imagine the five years or, you know, four years and six months that they were stuck in solitary confinement. Yeah. Oh, my God. So is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't added? Uh, not that I can think of. I know that I have my webinars that are free that everybody can go to. And then, of course, there's the special offer that I'm making to your people. They could go to My Animal Plan and check it out, what we had put together for them, where if they wanted to do it themselves from start to finish, um, above and beyond the free uh, webinar that they can do, they would be able to do that. Uh, and as guests of yours, they're going to get a $100 discount. So I'm really thrilled to offer that to your listeners. Okay. So when they go to myanimalplan.com, they're going to the freebie, right? Absolutely. They're going to the link to the freebie. Yep. Okay. And then from there, they can choose to go to the... Go the next step. So if you're not going to do it yourself, if you do the webinar and, and it's enough and you're going to sit down and do the work, fabulous. Then you and I have done God's work and we're very happy. If you need that extra oomph, then there's a program that you can sign up for, do it yourself, where I give you videos and templates to fill out. You don't have to start from scratch, but you actually get videos and templates that help you go from point A to point B to point C to point D, or point A to A, M to A to A to P, so that you can get it all done. <laughs> right. And, and that's, that's the difference. So that's what they will get once they get past the uh, free. If, they, if they've listened to the free and four months later they've done nothing, they need to go back, listen to the free, and then take advantage of uh, the program because they, I want your listeners to have pets that are well cared for, despite what might happen to them. Great. I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's, it's awesome. I, you know, it, I'm so glad that you contacted me after listening to Joan Wren quit because it, it, it just ties in so beautifully. Yep, it does. Yeah, was, you know, it's funny because as soon as I saw your note, I went, this would be an awesome thing to offer. So I'm really glad that we got to connect. Well, as, as I said, hopefully the listeners don't have limited beliefs that they've got everything done because I know that that is one of the things that I strive to help people get over because they think they're done. Maybe they are, but mostly they aren't. And so they really need to take that next step. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to just do a quick recap here. You can go to myanimalplan.com and get the free MAP program. And when you've gotten that taken care of, if you want to go further, you can go to the link that's on that page and get the paid program, which you're getting $100 off of because Deborah is being very kind to my people. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And keep on going and make sure that your animals are well taken care of. That's awesome. Yeah, because that gives you the templates. You're not starting from scratch, but rather you've got all the templates. You're not just listening to me. You're actually 
doing what it is you need to do and have the paperwork in front of you to fill it out. Yeah. And that'll actually save you time and money from, from dealing with your lawyer. I mean, how many hundreds and hundreds of dollars would you spend hassling this out with a lawyer? My goodness. And they can't even really help you find the people that you want to find. So we give you the opportunity to find the people you want to find. We give you the information you need. It really works. That's awesome. Okay, that's great. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate all the information that you've shared with us. And why don't you give us your, your mediation what? website? Okay, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm hoping that the people who listen feel as if they've gotten so much information that they can start by watching the free webinar uh, and make the plan for their pets. You can get more information about everything that I do at Hamilton Law and A-N-D mediation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at H Law Mediation. Love to have you connect on Facebook at Hamilton Law and Mediation. Really looking forward to helping anybody who wants to make a plan for their pet or possibly has a conflict with their pet resolve it without litigation. That's great. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure, and, and I've really enjoyed talking about all this. So this is Angela Treat Lyon. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. You've been listening to Daring Dreamers Radio at idareyouradio.com. And I want to implore you, please, to be audacious, bodacious, outrageous, bold, and as alive as you can possibly be. And we'll see you on the next show.